I am still shaking. What a game we just saw. What a performance by the Seattle Seahawks against all odds, against all the doubters. And it wasn't just the outcome of the game. It was how it happened. Who stepped up? Who made plays? How those offensive tackles work? How in the hell did the Seahawks just beat the Lions? My rapid reaction. We'll break it all down next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host. Dan Viennes. Wow. See, I've got stuff falling, falling off my desk here. That's, that's how much this place has been shaking. Have you recovered from that yet? Have you come down from that yet? Thanks for joining the show, everybody. I am Dan Viennes. This is Seahawks Forever. And forever means forever. It doesn't just mean when things are going well. I'll talk about fan reaction and expectations today and then break down this game and give you my thoughts. The Seahawks, a 37-31 winner over the Detroit Lions in Detroit in overtime. Outstanding performance from those offensive tackles, from Geno Smith, from Shane Waldron. Some guys stepped up and made plays on defense. How'd the rookie first-round draft pick Devin Witherspoon look today? Uh, we'll get into the stats. Uh, Seahawks moved to one and one on the season. Lions drop to one and one. Ford Field was rocking, man, and the Seahawks were up to the challenge. Um, like that, like this video. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're an audio podcast um, fan on whichever audio podcast platform you listen to. Please subscribe to the show. That way, you'll get notifications of new episodes. If you listen on Apple leave a review. That would be helpful. Uh, and if you really like the show and you want to support the channel, uh, buy me a coffee or a beer at the link in the description. All right, guys, let's get into this. <laughs> um, so the game started out shaky, right? Oh, <laughs> Oh, isn't football great? This is what I love. Um, game started out shaky. The, the Lions uh, take the lead early on. Um, uh, gathering myself, okay? Gathering myself. Let's go back to the beginning, shall we? The Seahawks took the lead in this one. Get the ball first. They, they win the toss. Uh, I don't know if they won the toss or not. Dane and I were just hopping on the, the the live stream. Did the Lions win the toss and defer? I don't know. I don't care. They must not have because the Lions got the ball to start the second half. So Seahawks get the ball to start and all eyes are on those offensive tackles, right? Charles Cross out week to week with a toe injury. Abe Lucas, right tackle, out with a knee injury, having a procedure done on it, on injured reserve, out a minimum of four games. Jake Curran in at right tackle. Stone Forsyth in at left tackle. Forsyth, the 2021 Six-round draft pick. Jake Kern, an undrafted free agent. And what do the Seahawks do? Their first time with the ball, they go 12 plays, 75 yards, eat up almost eight minutes on the clock and score a touchdown. And what we saw from them in this drive was balance. We saw some good runs from Kenneth Walker. We saw, uh, in fact, Walker finished this drive off with a touchdown. We saw 
running lanes open. We saw pass protection. We're going to get into some of those numbers in a minute because the the Lions, known for their pass rush, coming into this thing, Aiden Hutchinson, right? The second overall draft pick from a year ago. James Houston, who was such a dynamic pass rusher for them a year ago. And the Seahawks neutralized that in their first drive. Looked calm, collected, comfortable. Geno Smith was efficient. And then all eyes shift to the defense that struggled so mightily last week against the Rams, especially in the second half, and especially on third downs. And they give up an answering drive. Seven plays, 75 yards, only three minutes. And this is what was different about it. Last last week when the opening touchdown drive for the Rams and the drive to start the second half were both long drives. Seahawks weren't giving up. Their, their average yards per play last week weren't that bad, but they were giving up the long third downs. They were doing that a little bit here, but on this particular drive, there were, there were some big plays. And then the Seahawks forced a punt on the next drive. But this is where the game started to shift a little bit. Seahawks defense comes out on the next drive. 12 plays, 57 yards. Lines go for it on fourth down. Seahawks hold. And then it was back and forth pretty much for the rest of the game. Right? 14-7, Detroit leading at the half. Would you have taken that heading into this game, knowing everything you know? Yeah, I think most of us would have. And then what adjustments are we going to see, right? Coming out in the second half. What was really impressive to me about the play of the offensive line wasn't just that they held up, but that they did it, they did it throughout the game, consistently throughout the game. You know, Ben Johnson didn't have any answers in the second half. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm thinking on the wrong side of the ball. I'm still so fucking excited, you guys. Sorry. Um you know, we thought we thought maybe the Lions would have an answer for the Seahawks in the second half, defensively. And they didn't. In fact, the, the Seahawks offense got better as the game went on. There were a couple things during the game that, that were concerning. Jason Myers, two missed field goals, including one. And this is where I think the game turned around a little bit. End of the half. This is a turning point. End of the half. Seahawks had the ball with an opportunity to score. Have to settle for a field goal attempt. Myers misses. And then the Rams get the ball to come out to start the second half. And on the first play from scrimmage, they fumble. Uh, David On a David Montgomery run, Uchenna Nuosu forces the fumble, recovered by Jaron Reed. Two plays later, the Seahawks score a touchdown. So when it was starting to look like potentially a 10-point swing that the Rams had, uh, the Lions had an opportunity. I keep thinking about the Rams game because that's where that game turned around. Seahawks failed to score at the end of the first half. Missed field goal. That's a recurring theme. Rams come out and score in the second half. 10-point swing. The opposite of that came true today. Somebody made a play. Nuosu knocks the ball out of Montgomery's hands with a tough tackle. Reed recovers. Seahawks score two plays later. That ties it at 14. Detroit takes a 21-14 lead. Seattle cuts that to 21-17. And then uh, Seattle with a nine-play, 45-yard drive to take the lead 24-21. And then Trey Brown makes a play and makes a difference. Jared Goff had gone almost 390 pass attempts without an interception, third longest 
streak like that in the NFL. I said on the PSF live stream with Daniel O'Gorman, hey, that streak's got to end sometime. And it ended today. Goff throws a ball a little bit behind his receiver. Trey Brown intercepts it, runs back for the pick six to make it 31-21. And at that moment, as good as things were looking up until that point, were you feeling pretty good? In your mind as a Seahawks fan, were you going into this game thinking this is a loss, we're 0-2, and but I just want to see some positive signs? Because that's kind of where I was. Said it on the show last week. Wasn't expecting a win, just wanted to see some progress. Something that would lead us to believe they could come home against Carolina next week, maybe get a couple of wins against them and the Giants on Monday Night Football going into the bye and be 2-2 two and two somehow, some way. And then Trey Brown gets that interception return, and it's 31-21. And now you're thinking, okay, end of the third quarter. We're up 10. Things are looking pretty good. Now, all of a sudden, we it turns from, man, I hope we can compete in this game and things don't fall apart, to we damn well better not blow this. And they almost did. <laughs> Uh, 10 play touched, uh, 10 play 75 yard drive line score touchdown. And the Seahawks get the ball back just over two minutes left. The Lions had the two minute warning working in their favor and all three timeouts. They force a three and out Geno Smith with an absolutely horrendous decision, scrambling around on third down to not try to throw the ball around away, takes a 17 yard sack inside the 10-yard line. So Michael Dixon has to punt it out from the back of the end zone. The Seahawks hold the lines out of the end zones, force the tie uh, as time expires to go overtime, and then win the coin toss. I thought Gino in his post-game press conference, or his post-game interview on the field with Aaron Andrews was great because the first thing he did, he said, hey, uh, yeah, I can't do that, can't take that sack, but... The other guy stepped up, Drew went out there and won the toss. Giving some props to his backup, his backup quarterback. So the Seahawks get the ball first. The overtime rules, right? You score a touchdown, you win, you go home, you don't. The other team gets a chance to answer. They go nine plays, 75 yards, capped by a six-yard touchdown to Tyler Lockett, reaching out, hitting the pylon on third down. They don't convert there. On third and two and get that first down, now you're kicking a field goal and the Lions have a chance to come come back. And, and I, I'm telling you, I'm wearing Tyler's number today. He had an outstanding game. We're going to look at the stats in a minute. But that is as excited as I've been. It's all captured on video. I'm sure I'll have it on my Twitter feed because it's all over the PSF app. We were live streaming at the time. That's as excited as I've been watching the Seahawks come back and win a game in a long time. And I, and, and I think it was this. Before we break down the stats, I just want to give you my my overall view of this game. This cannot be underestimated. This was potentially a season-changing game. But it also speaks to a couple of things that I tried to I tried to tell you guys all week, and some of you just weren't having it. The uncertain nature of week one in the NFL. The NFL in general the level of competitive play and and the talent we see in this league, Pete Carroll's abilities as a coach and the overall talent on this roster. There's some weaknesses, sure. And I pounded all day long today about the interior defensive line and how they just weren't making plays. They weren't getting a push. 
Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. But there's some there's some talent on this roster too, and there's some strengths. And they used those today. I thought Shane Waldron called a beautiful game, a lot of balance, never gave up, never gave up on the running game, even though there weren't big gash plays to be had there. And and Geno Smith. Let me start there. Here's what I saw a lot of this week on Twitter and from a lot of you in the comments to some of the shows I posted this week. See, this goes to show what I've been saying. Gino's a flash in the pan. Last year, he was a one-year wonder. It was an anomaly. He's terrible. He stinks. Give Drew Locke a shot. Someone during the game today on Twitter, at halftime when things were looking good, and Gino was playing well, said, we need to shake things up. Give Drew Locke the second half. I saw so much stuff this week from fans. It just makes me wonder where your head's at. And I know sports are, are an emotional thing. But to think that this team was going to lay down and die. Saw conversations this week about, hey, maybe they're, maybe we'll get a, t- a top 10 draft pick. Like already looking for the silver lining. If you think Pete Carroll's going to let a team do that, I don't know, man. You haven't been watching. Only three times since he's been head coach of the Seahawks have they had a losing season. All three of those times he managed seven wins. One of those was when your franchise quarterback gets hurt and misses half the season. Another one was the first year they were in town, seven and nine. They win the division. They just didn't have the talent. Last year, exceeding expectations. I'm not a betting guy, but if I'm going to bet more more times than not, this this is Pete's wheelhouse. Trying to come back from a bad performance, coach these guys up, get some development from young players. And Geno Smith showed today. I I've been saying it. I've been saying it ever since last year. The talent's real. The eye test is there. His arm talent. His ability to process, his accuracy. Geno Smith today, 32 out of 41 for 328 yards, two touchdowns. He also had three rushes for 20 yards. And he made big time throws when he needed to. Third down conversion on that on the touchdown drive in overtime to DK Metcalf with the corner trailing right on DK's shoulder. Trusted his arm. Trusted his accuracy and his talent. Trusted DK. Made the play. Time and time again, he made throws. Against a secondary that made a bunch of moves this offseason. It was supposed to be improved. Spread the ball around. Ended up completing passes to nine different receivers. Tyler Lockett with eight catches for 59 and two touchdowns. DK with six catches for 75 yards. Noah Fant with four catches. Uh, Fant, Parkinson, and Desley, the tight ends were really involved today. That's not always been the case with Shane Waldron, using all those guys to their fullest. 
So kudos to him and kudos to Gino for spreading the ball around. Um, nine total catches between Fant, Parkinson, and Disley. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, five catches, 34 yards. The running backs were involved. Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker with three catches and Jake Bobo with a catch as well. Uh, running the football, not a huge day as far as uh, chunk yardage goes or average per carry, just 3.3, including Geno's. Three runs. Kenneth Walker, 17 carries, 43 yards, just a two-and-a-half-yard average, two touchdowns. Little little concerning, going to keep my eye on it. A uh, lot of dancing around, bouncing it outside, changing direction. Uh, oh, it's hard to watch Ken Walker, isn't it, sometimes? A lot of no, 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 yes type of plays. That was an issue early last season when he does it, and he does it well. Man, it's fun to watch, but... Uh, I thought he was most effective in the second half of last season when he got better just putting his foot in the ground and getting north-south. When when to recognize that that's the best play. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, four carries, 16 yards, had a couple third-down conversions, ran tough and physical, two catches. He got going a little bit today. On defense, Julian Love led the way with 13 tackles, although he missed some tackles too, including one on the Lions last drive and a big third down conversion to Sam Laporta that at the time was a killer. And then another big game by those inside linebackers, Jordan Brooks, 11 tackles, six solo, Bobby Wagner, 10 tackles, seven solo. Jordan Brooks just continues to impress. For those of you who, um, I don't know, weren't very high on Brooks the last couple of years, uh, Griffin Sturgeon talked at length on his Twitter feed, uh, See Mike Spin Move. We've had him on the show here before. Uh, loves to do all 22 breakdowns about how good Brooks played in the first week against the Rams in coverage and against the run. Uh, he was everywhere today. Making plays in the backfield and or at the line of scrimmage. and Really impressed with him. Um, and then Devin Witherspoon. Five tackles, two solo. Don't know from the stats I have uh, in front of me. Actually, he, he was credited with uh, one pass defensed. He and Trey Brown today were outstanding. Brown with four tackles, all of them solo. A sack, a tackle for loss, two passes defensed, a quarterback hit, and a pick six. Everyone was freaking out in training camp before Witherspoon got hurt that he was playing so much slot corner because Michael Jackson had such a good offseason. Heard a lot from you about what a waste of a draft pick that was. You don't take a slot corner at number five. Didn't matter how many times I told you that's not where he's going to be long-term. Didn't matter how many times Pete Carroll said he's playing everywhere. Y'all had decided, a lot of you, that he was a nickel corner and that was a waste of draft value. Devin Witherspoon today in his first game as a rookie started and played the entire game at left corner. Mike Jackson, I don't think, had a snap in this game. In fact, Artie Burns played in this game. Mike Jackson did not, unless I missed something. And what's interesting about Trey Brown stepping up is he did so in place of Reek Woolen. Left the game with what was termed as a chest injury. 
Um, I don't have an update yet as I record this on what that was. I don't know what a chest injury would be. Sternum, ribs, uh, obviously better than a, than a lower leg injury. But he exited in the first half. Trey Brown came in, played the right side, and changed the game. Changed the game. This is a guy that is a rookie when he got his opportunities, really looked like a playmaker. That's why they drafted him out of Oklahoma. And then last year, coming off the torn patella tendon injury, just didn't have that explosion back, even when he was active, uh, back on the active roster late in the season, wasn't making plays. Fully healthy now, and you can see the playmaking ability. As you can with Witherspoon. We saw a couple of passes defense. Saw him coming up, making hits in the run game. And we saw flashes today from some of those guys up front. We saw Draymond Jones. There was a play. So first half on the live stream was talking about how he still was kind of invisible again. There was one play in particular where he tried two spin moves and he just kept trying this spin move and he just kept getting blocked. Had one tackle late in the, in the first half. And then right before the half, he had a play where he absolutely one-on-one destroyed Detroit's left guard and, uh, and affected the throw from Jared Goff. And I thought, okay, maybe that'll get him going. And then in the second half, he did get his first sack as a Seahawk. So maybe they're starting to get Draymond Jones a little bit. Uh, Mario Edwards also, especially in the first half, made a couple of plays in this game. Uh, had a tackle for loss that was really key at the time. So we started to see something a little bit better from that defense, right? A little bit of bend, don't break. They held up on those fourth downs. Gave the Seahawks a chance to win. And that offense with those two tackles playing was really, really efficient. Some of the team stats, Seahawks led, uh, won the first down battle, 28 to 25. Third downs, uh, still just five out of 11 converting on offense. That continues to be a problem. They went for it on fourth down once and were successful, but they were much, much better defensively against third and fourth down conversions against the Lions. Six out of 11, they held the Lions two on third downs and one out of three on fourth down conversions. Dan Campbell, one of the most aggressive in the league at going for it on fourth downs. Total yards, pretty even, 393 for Seattle, 418 for Detroit. Yards per play, 5.9 for Seattle. 311 passing, 316 passing for the Lions. And they held the Lions to 102 yards rushing. You know, the Lions came in with that David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs combination. Montgomery left this game hurt in the second half. We kind of saw some of the plan with Jameer Gibbs, the number 12 pick out of Alabama, how they moved him around, used him out of the slot. Although when Montgomery left the game, he had to, he had to man the running back position. Seahawks with nine penalties in this game for 80 yards. That was an issue. There were a couple of key plays. There was a big play to Colby Parkinson at one point for a big gain and a first down that was called back because of offensive pass interference. Uh, time possession. Seahawks win this one 33, 33 and a half minutes to just under 31 minutes. Here's how I'm going to sum this up. I touched on it earlier. If I had a dollar for every person this week that told me the Seahawks can not win this game, I could take a month and 
not work, maybe go somewhere nice and warm. Uh, 12, 13,000 views on my Lions preview with Chris Perfett last week. A lot of Lions fans jumped in there. Really appreciate a lot of very respectful comments and, and give and take. Uh, mad respect to that Lions fan base. They seem uh, excited about their team, but also, <laughs> you know, years and years and years of misery will do this to you. I think you're more appreciative and a little bit more objective and balanced when, when success does come your way. Uh, you're not jaded yet. But Lions and Seahawks fans told me all week long that the Seahawks could not win this game. No way with your two tackles out. No way with this juggernaut that's the Lions. No way in front of that crowd, in front of that stadium, with that head coach and that. No way. And the Seahawks just did that. And my point is this. Pete Carroll's a very, very, very good motivator. And I just heard Matt Hasselbeck in an interview a couple weeks ago say that he's a very, very good X's and O's guys, uh, X's and O's guy, and, and doesn't really get credit for that. This game in and of itself might be one of his best coaching jobs that he's had as a Seahawk. As bad as that team looked in the second half last week, as defeated as they looked, and with all those key injuries, to get this team ready to play. And he knew it. He felt good about it. Tom Pelissaro interviewed him on the sideline right before the game, asked him about the offensive line, those tackles, and Pete's answer was just, hey, you know, they've been in our system for a couple of years. They're comfortable. They've had all the reps this week. They're good to go. We're fine. And then he saw his eyes light up when Pelissaro asked him about Devin Witherspoon. I think he adds some juice to this defense. And when this when this defense gets Jamal Adams back, maybe a little bit more juice. A couple injuries. Reek Woolen banged up in this one. Daryl Taylor was banged up in this one, I believe. Uh, Evan Brown had to leave with a knee in the first half. Was able to come back in the second half and, and complete the game. So that's obviously not a serious one. Um, saw some cool things. Just I was focusing on Olu Oluwatimi and his, and his reps that he got in place of Brown. Held his own. Looked really comfortable and experienced out there. Like picked up a couple stunts. Had a combo block on a running play. Uh, that was fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, my, my takeaways from this game are never, ever count any team out in the NFL, first of all. There's no such thing as a can't-win game. Never count Pete Carroll out when the chips are down. And Geno Smith's legitimate. He is a legitimate... I don't know what more he has to do to prove himself... He went into a situation where he didn't look phased at all today in front of a really loud, raucous crowd from the gun. He was consistently good throughout the game, making every kind of throw that you would need to make. And then when the game was on the line and he had the ball in his hands with the field in front of him and a chance to drive the team down and get a walk-off win, he did it. 32 out of 41, 328, two touchdowns. Geno Smith outstanding today. This is fun. So now the Seahawks come home again next week against Carolina Panthers and they face a rookie quarterback. Home crowd forecast looks good. It's going to be a beautiful day at Lumen Field. And now suddenly don't your expectations change a little bit. I talked after the Rams game about do we need to do we need to change our expectations for the worse now, right? Maybe this team's younger than we thought. Maybe they're not just not quite ready yet. Because when you when, when the schedule comes out and you look at it and you 
in your mind or even literally you go through and decide which games you think they're going to win. We all thought week one was going to be a win at home against a depleted Rams team or a team that's rebuilding, at least on defense. Didn't take them seriously. Apparently neither did the Seahawks. And maybe that was a lesson I said on the show last week. Sometimes you need to be punched in the gut to wake you up. And maybe that's what the Rams did for us. So they went into this Lions game with something to prove and they proved it. And now you're one and one at the beginning of the season. When you looked at the schedule, you probably kind of thought one and one didn't most of you. Well, we'll beat the Rams, but going to Detroit's tough. Let's chalk that up as a loss. Now you got a chance to come home and play the Panthers feeling better about yourself. We'll see how those tackles hold up against Brian Burns, but Aiden Hutchinson today. Aiden Hutchinson. Let's look at these stats here. Where are you at? Two tackles. One pass defensed. No sacks. With those tackles playing, the Lions only managed one quarterback hit today. Total. That Seahawks defensive line or defensive front, six quarterback hits. Uh, It'll be interesting to see the pass rush win rate stats this week. But as I was saying, you got a chance to come home and play a young Carolina team. See if you can keep this going. Then you go to Monday Night Football. We'll see how the Giants bounce back today. Um, three and one is still a possibility heading into the in into the buy that early buy. So, tell me in the comments your thoughts. Who you think the player of the game was? There's that's a hard call, right? Was it Geno Smith? Was it Trey Brown? A lot of guys stepped up in this game. Tell me what you think your favorite part of the game, uh, something that still concerns you, how you think they're going to do uh, against Carolina next week, and uh, and and we'll get into this. Um, Jeff Rickard, who uh, covers the Panthers, and uh, my old mentor, he's a program director of a TV station there. Um, he's going to come on and help preview that game later in the week as well. Um, this is a lot of fun. A lot of fun, you guys. Hop in the comments. Tell me what you think celebrate download that psf app we had so much fun today keep an eye on my twitter account at seahawks forever for some clips from that so you can kind of get a feel for what it looks like it's a free app and you get to be involved and we can even invite you guys in as we did today with michael thompson a friend of the show um and uh from 12th man rising we're able to bring him in on video kind of like the manning cast um again subscribe to the channel let's try another song because that one was just a little bit too short, apparently. We're going to have to fix that. Thanks again, you guys. Let's have fun with this one. Celebrate. Enjoy the rest of the day's slate of football games. Until next time, I'm Dan. This is Seahawks Forever, forever and always. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.